Thanks for being here with me today. You're listening to Nine to Thrive, a podcast about designing a life that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Janet McKenna-Lowry. Today I'm talking with Anya Gallagher, a comedian who found her start first in occupational therapy, then in the healing nature of laughter. Besides being hilarious in her own right, Anya coordinates The Bright Club, supported by Science Foundation Ireland, where academia becomes comedy. And she encourages people to develop the confidence and communication skills to be more fully themselves. All right. Thanks for coming, Anya, today. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Thanks for having me. And the podcast is about community and work and creativity in no particular order. So would you talk a little bit about, like, pick one of those and talk about what you do? Sure. Okay. Well, I'll go with work for starters, if if that's cool. Yeah. Um. So origin, I am um by definition an occupational therapist, um, which is a healthcare professional, uh, working with people to promote independence, um, and really my my whole area of interest is promoting social inclusion and I suppose changing attitudes towards. Uh, difference and so disabled people or you know minority groups or whoever they are okay but I suppose after about five years of practicing um, I just found it a little bit frustrating and restrictive in terms of how services are set up and how they're delivered so I went back to college three years ago to do a master's in health promotion which is more like sociology Mm. and since then I've been working um, on an initiative called Bright Club which is a stand-up comedy night where academics um, are trained to do comedy and talk about their research. Oh wow. And it's interesting because a lot of people often wonder how I went from uh, the kind of healthcare side to this side (laughs) But I actually see it as a very natural progression for me because social inclusion is my is what I'm interested in. And the whole idea of shifting attitudes, you realize that actually the most significant way to do that is to pick one sector. So if I just kind of look at the comedy sector, you see within that it represents everything we have in the wider society of who's dominant, who's not dominant, who's included, who's not included. So through Bright Club, uh, one of the main aims is to promote diversity. So to get people from different nationalities, different genders, uh, able-bodied, disabled people who, you know, everyone, it's a space that's open for everyone who can come and try it out. And whether they go on to do comedy again, or they find that one experience transformative in whatever way it builds confidence that they go on to do something else, or they just have a fun time, meet some people, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's my work now. So I see it as sociology, now so I've kind of yeah yeah. so how often do those are those events what is how does that work we actually had one in Dublin last night um so we by the end of this year we'll have produced 20 events in 2019 or sorry 2018 nationwide and Galway and Dublin would be our main hubs uh so we'd have maybe six or seven in each of those places. And then a few, like maybe one or two in Cork, one in Limerick. We had one in Sligo in May. Okay. And we're funded by Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, mm. So it's a national project and working with all, any, you know, potentially all higher education bodies. Um, it's just about trying to build a network and kind of, 
promote what we're doing and get more people involved. So explain to me, so is there a connection between then Brightside and and uh, your disability work or is it just that it's an open forum and you encourage everyone? For now, yeah, Bright Club, it's, it's just an open forum. So anyone who is... Uh, in university, whether they're an undergrad, a PhD student, a lecturer, a professor, it's an opportunity that's available to people. Mm. And we're always trying to uh, recruit yeah, people from excluded groups mm. as well. I see. Now, yeah. I suppose up to now and Bright Club, you know, Bright Club is about people who work in academia, building their communication skills and confidence and sharing that in an accessible way with the public. Mm-hmm. And that's really you know that's the main aim and the promoting social inclusion is a is a kind of side Mm. you know side bit it's like baked in yeah yeah but I suppose through doing this I've realized how so much more could be done in terms of using comedy to promote social inclusion so you know we met Janet at um, the funny women event which is you know, it's about creating these spaces where people can come, meet other people, right. um, and I think exploring your own sense of humor and what you find funny can be very enlightening and empowering right. for an individual. Uh, so it's inspiring me now to build on what we have achieved in Bright Club and are achieving to create more spaces that's uh, about, it's a kind of closed off space, a safe space for whatever, if it's women or disabled people or, you know, a mixture of people, it, it doesn't have to be exclusive, but just where people can start to develop these skills, build an idea of their sense of humor. And if they want to perform comedy or they want to go on, that there's a bridge out of it into mm. the mainstream context. Yeah, that's important. So it doesn't just yeah, sort of exactly. become self-referential. And yeah, what's the biggest, what's yeah. the biggest challenge of this? Uh, probably for myself, um, realizing what is achievable in a given time. Because <laughs> like, I get very excited. And Bright Club is an amazing initiative. And it's, as I said, funded by Science Foundation Ireland. So there are certain parameters to that. Mm-hmm. Whereas I get a little bit excited and say, oh, we should be doing X, Y, Z. We should be doing all of these things, which may not quite fit into what we're specifically funded to do, you know. Right. Um, so, so for, I mean, personally, the challenge is, yeah, realizing what's achievable, being realistic and working towards that methodically. Um, and then I find that I tend to, I can take on too many projects and then I can't really do any of them Mm. that well or devote enough time to them because Bright Club is my paid job. Then Funny Women Ireland uh, is, I mean, I don't do it pro bono, but it's not, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be relying on it to pay my bills because they're only monthly events. Um, And, but because I want to take on all of these things at the same time. I, you know, that's so that's a, a struggle for me. So I'm getting better at that and trying to and also see see the achievement I, for me, because I, the way I see society and social inclusion and how so many people are excluded and you can just look at the bigger picture so often and get very frustrated and disheartened. Realizing the small gains that happen all of the time on an everyday basis 
And I've gotten much better at doing that this year. So, you know, at every Funny Women event, just actually stepping back and saying, look at this group of people who've come together, mm. who may have never known each other before. It has built a sense of community, whether it's just this one time event uh, that people share and it's very positive or connections are maintained after that and mm. other things grow out of it. Uh, but yeah, not getting overwhelmed by the bigger picture as well. That's uh something that I'm trying to to get better at. And it comes back to reflection. You know, you were, yeah. I think when we were talking earlier, you were talking about reflection and actually doing that well, like genuinely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, holding on to it. It's really, sometimes even when I like manage to accomplish a reflection, 10 yeah. minutes later, I've completely forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally. Uh, so I've been the the last this year has been pretty hectic for me. And come October, things are going to quieten down a bit. And I'm actually looking forward to just taking stock and kind of sitting down and thinking about everything that's happened over the year. Because unless you do that, you'll never see the achievements and you'll always be striving for these expectations that are unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard to do that. It's really, yeah. really hard. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, well, you touched on it. So what's your favorite part of that work of of the just while we're still on the bright side? Mm, it's Bright Club. Just, oh, Bright Club. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I wrote it down. Um, before every event, uh, I do the training with people. So we come together and have a workshop session. And my favorite bit is because I'd be recruiting as well. So I'm in touch with people via email. Maybe I talk to them on the phone. We all meet in per in person. It's beautiful because it could be a mix of undergraduates and professors or, you know, PhD students all in a space where they're peers and sharing the same experience. There's, you know, no power doesn't really exist. Or, That's neat. Yeah. And then um, it can be different disciplines as well, which is very un. It doesn't happen that often that people from psychology and chemistry mix. Right. You know. Right. Um, so that's that's a really nice aspect of it. But just seeing that group to come together, the nervous energy creates an immediate bond because they're sharing this experience. They're they're all in the same place. They're all nervous, and it just. 99% of the time, it just creates this wonderful, um, supportive group. And then because we have the event maybe a few days later where everyone is then performing and the encouragement that they give each other and then the sense of achievement that they all genuinely have and then them all together afterwards, you know, chatting and just the community that it creates for that. Yeah. For each event. Uh, kind of, I think that's, yeah. They're kind of pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. We we I know we had an event yesterday in, in excuse me, at Whelan's and afterwards, because I'm getting better at realizing significant things as they're happening, after the event, everyone all because at a, every night we have maybe three or four academics trying out comedy for the first time and then we'd have three, you know, professional comedians so that the nights maintain a good flow of comedy and energy and all that. But yesterday after the event, all of the comedians and all of the academics were just together for about an hour, just Aww. all talking. And I was just looking at it and I was like, there, there's a, a community that's been created if for a day. If yeah. that's all it, it is, it's still it's still positive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is neat work. I, the, the temporariness of it. I mean, it's like 
I don't know. It's like it's like learning to live with the fact that your sandcastle is only here for a short time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that's and that is I suppose that's the challenge, actually, in terms of because we're only funded year to year mm. for Bright Club um, and it's trying to evaluate it and what the impact of it is. Mm. And really, we see the most significant impact is on the people who participate, you know, and the the confidence that it may give them. A lot of people can say that it builds their own identity in themselves as a researcher. They might have had, you know, imposter syndrome or mm. something like that before, whereas now they realize, actually, no, I am an expert in what I'm talking about and I'm able to explain it, you know, in a coherent way. Um, so, but it's trying to capture that. You know, how do we capture that so that we can put that down on paper you know right. how to, um and then also the struggle with qualitative and quantitative oh, so like God, yes. numbers yeah yeah number crunching how many people in the audience how many views on youtube how you know boom 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 compared to five people in a year who've maybe said that it's had a significant impact on their life right yeah. right yeah. yeah that that piece of it i mean on the, on the one hand I definitely believe in it, but on the other hand, I also firmly don't. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. plenty of things worth doing. Van Gogh burned his stuff because it wasn't <laughs> worthwhile. You know, it didn't make money until, you know, 100 years after his death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is this how does that stack up then quantitatively at any given slice in time? That that I don't know where mm-hmm. that's something I feel like we haven't really solved (laughs) yeah and working in in university academic life it's a it's a constant challenge and it is you know and there's this argument for and against both sides and I think it actually comes down to you needing both yeah and finding the balance between the two yeah because you know we need audiences to come right for bright club to survive you know right uh but then does everyone is the biggest impact? I mean, did all of those that audience leave yesterday with this, this higher knowledge of psychology and artificial intelligence? I'm not I don't think so. But they might have seen some people who they didn't expect to see perform talking about things that they didn't expect and then say, oh, that's I didn't realize that type of yeah. uh, research happened in the university. If they remember what that is, you yeah. know, that doesn't matter. But it's. It's more about shifting attitudes than learning about science. It's like measuring enrichment. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's really interesting. Mm. Oh, that's cool. Well, good. All right. Um, so you've actually segued a little bit into both community and creativity. Cause, yeah. Yeah, because you've talked about it a little bit, but you're, you're, one of your other personas is stand-up comedian. Mm. Mm. Yes. Well, it's interesting because since I've started working in Bright Club, I do find it hard to detach myself, you know, from work. Yeah. Yeah. Work, play, leisure. Um, Yeah. But yes, I am a stand-up comedian. Uh, So I work part-time with Bright Club and then basically freelance part-time. And that, I don't know exactly what that means. (laughs) But um, I, yeah, I'm just getting, like I was in Edinburgh, I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival there. That's awesome. For August. Uh, I had a show in the Dublin Fringe last week. And then I'm just consistently gigging and 
doing stuff. How long and how long did it take you to get to a point of consistency? Everyone starts at a different pace, you know. And in my first three years, I'd say I did about 25 gigs, whereas other people in their first year do 100 gigs. Mm. Uh, so for me, I started to build momentum around it maybe about three years ago. And then two years ago, I remember it was the start of 2016. I just said to myself, just put the blinkers on and just do it. Mm. Just start doing every gig because I live in Galway and obviously most gigs are in Dublin. So it does involve a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and but really what you need you'd re- to develop your skills as a comedian, you re- genuinely it's about just getting up mm-hmm. and performing. And I realized because it was after, you know, People always say to you when you're a comedian, oh, just keep doing it, you know, just keep doing it. And it get, at the start, you're like, what are people talking about? Like, you know, I just did it. Why, what does, what, that's, that's like a backhanded compliment or something. But then it was, yeah, about three years later, I realized, oh, oh, like you just have to keep doing it. Oh, OK, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like this realization of it. Um, so, yeah, for the past two years, I just have been trying to say yes to every gig, just do it. Not it's the sacrifice, you know, it's the compromise that I'm making in terms of other things. And it really has paid off like mm-hmm. it, it does. Um, so doing all the club gigs that you can get. And and it's amazing how one thing you meet someone, it leads to another. They right. ask you to do another gig. It just builds from there. But I'm definitely, interestingly, coming to the same point that I was talking about in my professional life. Well, this is kind of the same. It is my professional life as well. Yeah. But where I want to take stock and I want to I've I've been doing it now, Hell for Leather, for the past two years. And I'm going to stop coming into the winter now. Uh, just think of what my aims are, because otherwise it becomes relentless and mm-hmm. you don't really know why you're doing it. And, mm-hmm. and you just get caught up in the in this whole idea of success and ambition and you know I want to do every festival I want and like I've had a great year this year um I did the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Edinburgh Ivy Gardens Dublin Fringe and last year I definitely would have been saying that's what I want to be doing next year mm-hmm. but then when I was in it this year I was I felt overwhelmed and you know and it's obviously because I'm not, you know, I just need to figure out why I'm doing it for me mm-hmm. rather than feeling like I need to be doing it for anything else. If right, that makes just, sense. For, just for money yeah. or. Yeah, or, or for the prestige of doing a certain festival or, you know, where, yeah. like it's um, it's taxing, like it's a lot of travel and it's a lot of work. So you want to be doing it for the right reasons. Mm. And yeah. And have, uh, you, but, have yeah. you met, have you met? comedians that you go like I know it's different for each person but where you go you know they seem to have that they seem to have Mm. that piece of why they're doing it I'd say Paul Curry is one Mm. do you know Paul Curry no um but I'll look him up he's he's based up in Belfast he's um quite surreal and abstract uh I don't know if he would call himself like a contemporary clown, but he uh, just does a lot of sketches. It's very wacky. Doesn't really talk. Uh, it's it's all music based, mm. and his whole mantra is just about getting people to be in a moment 
where they, you know, he does this sketch where it's like everyone has to get up and pretend they're on the Lockhart dragon from Never Ending Story. <laughs> and like, there's always people in the audience who won't get up. And he's like, everyone has to get up and, you know, mortgage, forget about it. Kids, forget about it. You know, just get up and get in this space. And, um, you know, I think he, yeah, he has a very clear vision of, what his art is and why he's doing it. Yeah. Um, I think stand-up comedy is interesting because I've only started to recognize it in the last two years as an actual art form. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's the people who can see it, see the art and what they're doing. Well, yeah, it comes under entertainment all the time. And then yeah. it becomes, and then it becomes under almost Kleenex entertainment. Like yeah. you have it, it's gone. You have it, it's gone. And and I mean, I have to say, I think performers in that in that space, and it may be a space. I think it's a social space, but then whether you buy into it or not, I think performers are often sort of they become Kleenex, right? They just they're they're there one day, and then the next they burn out, and that's it. Their career's over, and it seems like a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next one. Yeah. Um, versus the idea of it being an art and practicing an art and mm. continuing to practice an art, whether anybody watches you or not. I, I mean, not that that's the ideal, obviously. But yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that definitely is something worth sort of stepping back and and looking at and asking questions about. Yeah, yeah that's that creativity piece. Definitely. I had some really interesting shows in Edinburgh. This, going to Edinburgh this year was the second time I've done the full month. Okay. And last year, 2016, I took it a lot more seriously, put myself under pressure to write jokes and make a really good show. And, you know, whereas this year I had I brought it was much more of a work in progress what I had. And it like the show itself, I wasn't as happy with it as what I had last year. But because I let myself relax into it more and could see the wider picture I just, so there was one um there was one gig I had where I had a like a half full room. They were quite nice, but there was one man at the front who was not enjoying it at all. And he was very evidently not enjoying it. And I I stated it. I I you know, I said acknowledged that he wasn't enjoying it and he acknowledged the same thing. And then, like it's the free fringe so I was like please honestly go like it's fine I don't mind and he chose to stay and he had anyway but whatever happened in that in that show I uh was just on form my energy was good and the audience were on my side so I just could kind of like use him as the brunt of a joke all of the time <laughs> you know and it just worked it worked really well and uh and yeah the whole it was like the whole of the audience and me against him and I'm not trying to you know yeah. he was it was banter as well but I I just thought afterwards you know actually if you think about it, that's actually pretty significant it, because it's quite a significant role reversal of a girl who looks about 16 to be perfectly in control and kind of, you know, dominating the situation where there's this man who would be more typically the dominant character in right. a in a social context. Right. So I was just like, that's, you know, that's really interesting. And yeah. that's, you know, that's something to take away from that one show that, you know, I had another show where I didn't, I kind of failed, you know, every, it always depends on me as well and my performance and yeah. But if I can see what I'm doing as art and kind of, yeah, adding diversity and, you know, all of that, then I can see that 
as quite a significant outcome. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. 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 And how do you get, how do you get back up on the horse? Like you just sort of mentioned a little bit, you almost used the word veil, although it's so funny. It's, I don't know. I've, one of the things I've really read about in the last year and a half have been the importance of words and having more words and fail is one of those ones where I can't decide whether it's like those words we should reclaim and redefine mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whether it's one that actually should be used for something negative and there should be a different word, but or whether, I mean, really, honestly, like many words, there really is no such mm-hmm. thing as failure, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. But how do you get back up on the horse if you feel like you've bombed, I guess, is, is the yeah. question. Um, again, I think it's knowing yourself what you're doing and knowing that you're funny and not feeling the need to get gratification from other people all of the time to validate what you are doing right um now if you go there has to you have to have good insight as well you know if you're bombing every single time <laughs> just and blissfully unaware <laughs> yeah something's not right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean you'll like having a good show and having a bad show it's all part of it and yeah. the dynamics that contribute to that. I mean, another example of another show I had in Edinburgh where I had a tricky audience again, but I wasn't, I was, my energy was low that day and I didn't deal with it well at all. And there were two guys in the audience who were kind of obnoxious and I tried to deal with them, but actually I ended up more dividing the audience than bringing it, like getting everyone on my side. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, it is the dynamic. There's so many dynamics that contribute to each performance. And bombing, having a bad show is part of it. I mean, it's really important that not all shows are good or, you know, great, because then what do we compare that to? There's not, you know, there's, yeah. But, um, right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't have I a mean, light without a dark to put it in. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it is about acknowledging that something didn't go well, not being deluded about it, you know, trying to understand why it didn't go well, but not letting it. Yeah, not not like I said earlier, your validation doesn't have to come from the fact that other people do or don't find you funding funny because you have your own audience as well. You know, everyone has different tastes. Right. Some people like your style of comedy and some people don't. And that's okay. That's what makes the world different. That's what's exciting. Right. Right. Um, oh, that's good. I was going to ask you how you find the time, but I'm still really, (laughs) I have no idea how you find the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, time to do just to get everything done. Just, uh, Mm. the, the creative piece of it requires brain space that is, it does for sure. Um, and this, again, this comes back to my point why I really want to take stock at the end of the year, because I don't always feel I have so many projects that I want to be doing that I haven't found the time for. Mm. Um, it's very hard. Like, I mean, having something to work up to, like Edinburgh, is really good. I view Edinburgh like a residency, actually, mm. um, because it just makes you work a lot before you go. And then while you're there, 
you're just in that space. It's exhausting, but it's exhilarating. And yeah, you're just in it for a month and you can't think about anything else. Because everyone has a different style of writing and going through the creative process. But I think for me, I have to do something live. You know, I have Mm. to actually perform it. Um, Yeah. And then I'm, I'm trying to get smarter as well in... Like comedy can be quite lonely if you're doing it all of the time yourself because it's a one person production from writing it to producing it to performing it. And uh, it's a lot easier to work with other people and it 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 makes it more fun. It means that it's actually like a social thing that you're doing instead of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're writing or thinking with someone else, when you're bouncing off someone else, things come together much more quickly. So I'm trying to think now about what projects I want to work on and picking the ones that are with other people uh, rather than because, yeah. I was just going to ask you that. I had just written that down before uh, you started saying that about co-creating and wondering whether you ever worked with writing partners or... Yeah, so... This is a classic example. I'm working on a mini series. Oh, cool. Yes. Now, I say this is a classic example because we've made one video in a year and a half, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but Ruth McNally, who um, directs it, and then we, I kind of put the first draft together and then we kind of bounce off each other. But that's been really fun. It's just about protecting the time to do it and right. to work together and making it a priority um but yeah we just come together and talk through the script and go away each other and come back and go through it again and um and then when we're actually filming it you know things things happen as well yeah um so that's yeah co-creation i have another friend who we've done some things together Perla Rourke she does a lot of improv improvisation Mm. um but we we made a sketch show together about two years ago and we have this new idea for a sketch show so we went for a weekend together once and just did a lot of improvisation and developing different characters around this story or this concept Mm. which was really fun again we're just both in different parts of the country and can't quite commit to it but yeah um kind of getting into that space and letting yourself improvise like it's just a lot of fun you know we still talk about that one weekend that we did and it was just fun and like this is so for me now I'm like god I I felt like I was getting into a dangerous space where I was starting to take comedy really seriously Mm. I was like I don't I don't want it to be this serious thing I want it to just be an outlet where I, you know, I, I spend time with friends and like-minded people and enjoy it. And, you know, uh, and it's an art form as well. So there's great benefits in that sense. Right. Um, and I'm really excited because I actually, I'm, like I said, living in Galway at the moment, but moving back to Dublin. Okay. And I just have a lot of friends who are doing really fun stuff, you know, just a lot of 
they just make podcasts. They meet up on a Saturday and improvise a podcast together where they all take on different characters. And, you know, nice. just whether it's fun to listen to or not in that space of doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so much fun. Yeah. So, well, yeah. yeah. And the thing that kind of led me to doing this podcast is to try to figure out more ways of how people play and don't starve. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is a third rail yeah. for me that I <laughs> Yeah, totally. But I don't I think we play is something that we really struggle with as adults. Yeah. You know, and like genuinely play because come back to your idea of failure and fail cuz even whatever social outlet people want they're, they're, they still end up being competitive spaces you know right. where if you play sport you want to be on the the top level team you know and if yeah, you're not even if it's a pickup game yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like uh softball I remember playing softball I thought oh this will be a fun like summer game where no one really takes it that seriously no way <laughs> Everyone takes it way too seriously. Yeah. Um, I once played, I once played, and you'll notice the word is once, pick up softball at a town thing. Again, I thought, oh, meet some people. This will be great. And by the 12th time of them pitching that ball, which is nine after I said, I'm out. And they were like so sure that if they just kept throwing it at me sooner or later, I would hit it. And it became like, (laughs) It became like this awful, I don't know, everyone focus on my deficits moment. Yeah. And then people were like, well, I'm kind of bummed you're on our team. And I'm like, yeah. me too. Yeah. I can't wait to go. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. Because I play football. I suppose we'll jump around in your, um, in your topics. But I play yeah. Gaelic football, you okay. know, like... Uh, not soccer but football um and the team that I've been playing on in Galway I'd have always played sport and enjoy it like sport I really do need to get a good physical exertion when I'm playing sport yeah at this point in my life I don't need to play at a very high level I just want it to be competitive whatever level it's at yeah but the team that I play on with in Galway is a whole mismatch of people who have never played sport before, <laughs> have moved to Galway and are looking for friends, are, you know, and it took me a year or or maybe even more than that to realize, but I was like, hang on, this is amazing. This is a space where all of these people have come together who would probably have feared doing sport before. If they joined any other club, they definitely wouldn't have stayed because other right. clubs are so seriously. But because we're all so rubbish, yeah, <laughs> there's a there's a space for everyone. Everyone feels included, you know. And But it, it really did highlight to me, I was like, God, we need more spaces that are inclusive like this, yeah. you know, just for sport because – and even – we go on about healthy living and, you know, doing exercise. But how many of people are actually have a good aptitude for sport and can do it? Right. Versus not having that, but still wanting to be involved and play. Yeah. Um. But because, yeah, the human condition is kind of preoccupied with being the best. And yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's hard to create those spaces. And you just made me realize that, you know, Google in those places with with table tennis aside, it would be really nice to have recess at work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You know, that, that would be yeah. like a real recess, not the kind yeah. they keep taking away from children, but a real one where you get to play yeah. for 30 minutes and, yeah. you know, <laughs> I know. come back inside. I know. <laughs> not smoke it's, and complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is about creating a culture, you know, how yeah. to shift people's attitudes. Get Just think um, as adults, we can be quite scared of embarrassment or um kind of putting ourselves out of our comfort zone yeah um and just like going back to paul curry like you should have been there last night because what i love about him as a comedian he always divides the audience so (laughs) there's always people in it who are not on board and who really (laughs) do not get it um but i think that's what's beautiful about it as well because it's like just come on get over yourself just get up and mime that you're on a dog from never-ending stories (laughs) 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 and stop taking life so seriously yeah 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 it's yeah it's funny how people will often put themselves in those positions and then stop themselves like we Mm. were you're already two-thirds of the way here you bought the ticket you showed up your butt's in the seat yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can leave, but you're too afraid to do it. You can get up yeah. and pretend you're on a dog, but you're too afraid to do it. I mean, good for you to get this far, but also <laughs> it's just yeah. one more little step for you. Well, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some some of the questions I like to ask people are um what would you tell your younger self? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know, because I feel like I'm getting happier as I get older, which I think is common as I as I talk to people. But I do feel like I kind of had to go through every experience to come to where I am now. Yeah, if if that makes sense. Um, Like, it's interesting. I uh, am. becoming a lot more aware of social equality and say feminism as an example. And I talk to people who are like 16, 17 now and their awareness of feminism again, just doesn't, I'm, 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 I'm like, how do they know all that? They're only 16. There was no way that I knew any of this, but you know, I was still striving for everyone to like me and me to be the, you know, Oh, I'm a cool girl. I don't care about all that stuff, you know? Um, but I had to go through the journey that I went through to get here, you know, and, and I don't think that 16 year olds now are, you know, have solved the world. I think, you know, everyone just has to go through, you know, where they might be aware of, of some things. It's still the same process that everyone goes through. Yeah. Um, because as an example, say I read Catch-22 was like one of the first books that I ever read that I really loved. I read mm-hmm. it when I was about 18. Yeah. And I was really struggling a year or two ago to read anything. So I said, I'll just read Catch-22 again. Hmm. Uh, This will just like spark, you know, I'll just get through it quickly and then I'll go. And I could only, I struggled. I fought to get to about page 200. And then I was, I just said, no, I just can't do it. Um, Because it's amazing how to read that 10 years later to realize how women were represented with it. That was the one thing that really got me. I know that there was probably lots of other things in it as well. But just no woman had a name. Every woman was just 
a slut or a whore and that was you know yeah. that was anyway but to for me to realize that I read this at 18 and absolutely loved it and didn't see any of those things yeah is kind of amazing and liberating as well it's very exciting to see how you change as yeah. a person and how your perception changes and how you know your worldview changes so I don't know what I would tell <laughs> my younger self. I, f- I feel happy that I've always been a person who's just kind of said yes and jumped into things. And I think that's always stood to me. Yeah. Well, so my last question would be, what it, what would you do if you had no fear? Another way to do that is say, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? That's mm. another way to think about it. But what would you do if you just sort of had an open plane in front of you? Mm. White canvas. I've been playing around with the idea in my head of creating a social enterprise which would use comedy as a tool for empowerment. So actually what the examples that I've kind of been giving in Bright Club and Funny Women, it's it's almost like a drama space or, or a community art space, but that uses comedy where people can come in and explore their comedic voice maybe different cultures sharing an experience learning what's funny from different perspectives um and as as a tool for kind of community development and empowerment not so much training people to be comedians it's you know um so this is something it's not a fully formed idea but definitely because community development and social inclusion are my my two areas that i'm most interested and kind of passionate about Mm. and then I've started to realize oh okay actually I'm very confident in the context of comedy you know Mm. that you know I've I've been in health services before and you know organizations and my voice just doesn't seem to be as strong as it is when I'm in this context boy that's reflective yeah 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 no I've had a I've had a good reflective year yeah wow um so it would be about how could I how could I use that yeah to create um yeah like there's this amazing initiative called fighting words that Roddy Doyle set up oh yeah um he's an Irish author you know yeah. yeah, I know it's work. And it's it enge- it brings in school children typically from more disadvantaged areas and they come in and they write a story. And then there's a an illustrator there and they but it's it's always really creative and really fun and it's you know something completely different. So I'd love to be kind of creating the same space but for comedy in some way. And I just I think I think there's a real way to learn more about culture and especially now that Ireland is becoming a a more multicultural place Mm. um, for like shared experiences and shared understanding and using comedy as the like approach to, I just as an example, I had this idea, I was like, oh, people say people coming in who are um, seeking asylum in Ireland, if they're from Syria or wherever they're from, you know, what's health, what are health services like in Syria? Mm. And what, um, you know, what are, what's culturally normal and what's appropriate and what's inappropriate? And then how are our services delivered here? And do we even take any of that into account? Right. And I just think if you could kind of pose a question of what's funny about going to the doctor Mm. 
and you hear that you know you let five people from five different places I suppose specifically what's funny about going to the doctor in Ireland you know yeah and then you'd learn so much I think about people's experience yeah when you're from a different culture when you've got different cultural norms um yeah oh, that's so that's cool. Yeah, it's it's a it it's not a anyway. That's no, what I'm saying, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Olivia Gallagher, this has been delightful. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me today. No problem, Janet. Thank you. Love it. It has been delightful. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to thank Anya for talking with me today. I've always loved the creativity involved when you cross disciplines, and she's living proof of how interesting it is to do that. Links to Anya's work will be in the show notes for this episode. Enjoy her YouTube performances, and if you get a chance to see her live in Dublin or at the Edinburgh Fringe or on tour, don't miss it. That's it for this week's 9 to Thrive podcast. Be sure to visit working9tothrive.com, that's with the number 9, to access links, info, and to join the conversation. We're on Twitter, at 9 to Thrive, and Facebook, at Working 9 to Thrive. Thanks for listening. <laughs>